Poetry and music, at their best, have a shared trick, an ability to be both celestial and grounded, to deal with the particulars of our lives, yet move emotionally into abstraction. They can be at once both very personal to the writers, but also community building. Mark was reminded of this, reading to Whanganui Atara poet Sylvan Springs' first book, Killer Rack, recently published by Teheringa Waka University Press. Spring is both a writer of poetry and music. Killer Rack even comes with an accompanying album version available on Bandcamp, where Spring and friends have put poems to music. So, before we hear Mark's conversation with Sylvan, here is the poet reading to music composed by Haz Forrester. Kindy teacher aside, you were my first love. Which I guess makes it the purest. Because don't we just collect jaded reasons not to love as we go through our lives? I know you'd understand, Kim Sasabone, because when you sang boom, 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 I want you in my room to spend the night together from now until forever, I felt your words unspool into my veins and reach out to steal blood not yet coalesced. And I know it takes a very complex understanding of the nuances of love to speak about it so simply. And you, sweet Kim Sasabone, have seen pain immeasurable and still set your course for Ibiza. I want to kiss the tender skin of your forearms, for you to whisper the lyrics of 24-7 and my 9-11, which bizarrely came out in the year 2000, over the frantic tides of my heart, to bend from the sky in your enormous platforms and deliver me to the lilt of a peace that isn't conditional. Pick me up in your Wing Road five-door estate and play me your unplugged number ones on the stereo as we drive through rigid little towns that will never know the embrace of you or your greatest hits. Tell me the fragments of your life you thought had fallen over the edge. Tell me, do you long for the illegal beach parties of the early days? When you and your band broke up in 2002, I stood my stern seven-year-old vigil on the steps of the school church in full morning garb not knowing if the Venga bus would ever ride again, and steadily losing faith in the kind of love that could save me. My heart did not go sha-la-la-la-la at any hour of the day or night for at least a month. But time is an unclenching fist, and I had to do algebra and the dishes and stay out of people's way or else, and it was easy to forget the soothing waft of your voice. In high school, I heard the band was back together, and you had an odd new single that I think Pete Burns wrote? Something to do with Uranus? Oh, did you feel strangely adrift on a childish and horny little raft when all the others came back with spouses and children? Did you know that other people wouldn't fill you up but yearned for them to try anyway? I still wish I could hold your head in my hands and gently unpick the knots in your hair and tell you there are things to be afraid of but I will always hold your pain as if it were my own until you can pick it back up again. Did you ever end up going to San Francisco? Was it gross to watch adults drink Chardonnay from plastic cups and grind on each other to up and down? Did you wish you could retire to a little hamlet with a library and some chickens? I do. I, too, have been trapped in festive torments forced to endlessly relive the words of my past. But, Kim, 
we're both still here. The bus rattles on. And happiness is just around the corner. That's Sylvan Spring there with music by Has Forrester and um, Sylvan joins us now. Kia ora. Kia ora. Ah, the bus rattles on, eh? It does. <laughs> what, what was it about Kim? What was it about the Vanga boys? Kim well, Sassabone, why was she so She was so the one? She was a big childhood crush for me. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I was I was very young and sort of the age of the Venga boys coming up. Um, and I think, yeah, I don't know. You just have those like parasocial relationships with celebrities when you're a kid where you kind of think they're part of your life. Oh. Um, I guess people do now. Too, Para- parasocial. Well. I love that. I love that, that, that word, parasocial. And it's interesting because me, I'm, I'm older. The Venga boys just totally pass me by, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, fair enough. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually have been revisiting. There's an, I can't remember what the album's called, but the first track is Sha La 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 La. And I've, I've been playing it in the car because I've got it on CD. And, um, yeah, I mean, incredible pop songs. And also you can tell that there's some, like, techno heads behind the scenes making some of the tracks who want to, like, push it a little bit more into the yeah, electronic realm. And there's yes, some really cool... Yeah. There's, like, a track at the end called Opus in D-sharp that's, like, this real <laughs> buzzy, like, kind of trancey electronic track that's, like, still trying to be poppy to stay on the album. But you can tell that there's someone there that's, like, yeah... And, ha- cool. and 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 so you've done this album to go with the poetry book, which is such a lovely thing. Um, people can listen to on Bandcamp, and you've worked with all sorts of people. So, Has Forrester, who's Harris Forrester? So people might know him uh, as part of the band Womb. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he plays um, synths and guitar and does all these beautiful textural things oh. um, that add all that richness to their sound. And obviously, you can hear it in that track yeah, as well. That's beautiful. Yeah. How much? And you, you're a composer yourself. Is that a big part of your life, composing, making music, or not? I mean, it, I think it will be more in the future. I think I started out. You know, I'm not super proficient at instruments. I sort of mostly taught myself how to use, as most people do, how to use um, DAWs. But I also, my ADHD makes it really hard to What's like... What's a DAW for those who Oh, don't sorry. Know. Music software. That's so good. Like, no, um, no, we're learning. Culturally, we're learning. <laughs> 101, we call it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, so I think, I think I just got in my own head about like not being very good at music. And, you know, there's so many people who are like real tech heads and real can be quite gatekeepy about that stuff and it's yeah. like just make shit just give it a go <laughs> so i think i'm in that space now and, and i'm going to give it more of a go increasingly oh that's great well i really recommend people listen to this album as well as read it yeah killer rack it feels like it's as much of the dance floor as the poetry book you know it's kind of like and i i was thinking around what it is about the dance floor that it's this kind of place that's quite euphoric and communal and people can be themselves uh, but be different and and so it's kind of like your poetry book for me is kind of of that dance floor and of popular culture, the Venga Boys, Charlie's Angels. There's all these kind of references. But then it's incredibly personal. It seems to me that's this kind of combination that music and poetry have. Mm. Was there a sense when you brought this book together that you knew what it was going to be, that there was a kind of concept behind it? or No. <laughs> there, was, <laughs> there was no planning whatsoever involved. Um, it was really just whatever fell out of me. And then I think a lot of poets do this, where they just write whatever comes, and then they kind of bring it all together, and they're like, oh my god, does it even make a cohesive whole, like, freaking out about it? And it's like, 
almost all of the time it does because it's coming from your voice and what you're interested in and everything links up in that way. And I think that's what happened. It was just kind of the things that I was preoccupied at the time. I, after I wrote this book, kind of went a lot deeper into some of my chronic illness stuff. Um, So... What's your chronic illness? um, So I have chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. um, And so kind of being able to make space more for that and make space for resting and, and, you know, not just like blazing through and trying to do everything and being like, actually, oh, my body's telling me things like slow down and rest. Yeah, that kind of came quite quickly after I wrote all this stuff. So I was kind of writing myself out of a period of my life a little bit with this um, and processing a lot of it, I guess, as well. And yeah. the, the the music is quite ambient on the album. Is that feels like that's is that part of the slowing down as well? To um, well, there's ambient bits. But there's quite a few tracks that are quite hectic. Um, when you get deeper <laughs> into the album, there's there's one that I really love that I played at the launch. Um, by a friend called Fraser Walker, and they basically asked me to make all these like really gross ASMR mouth sounds, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, so sorry. No, that's about okay. That. And then they made them all into these sounds that make you sound like it make it sound like you're inside someone's guts. Um, <laughs> and the poem is called Colon, and it's sort of all about gut issues and and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and they just did an incredible job, and it's it's quite heavy. Like there's a drop in it where it just goes like boom. So it really does sort of as the book does, I think, sort of ping pong back and forth very much from very slow and very still and very hectic as well. Yeah, it's got an interesting pace in that way. That thing about the dance floor and the personal I made up, it kind of reminded me, you've got a, a poem there called A Guide to Performing a DJ Set at Your Mother's Wake, which kind of brings that together with me. It's kind of like, well, you know, that's it's everyone's together, but you're dealing with something very personal. Was yeah. that based on something that happened for you, or was it a, an imaginary wake? It was a hypothetical. My mother is alive. <laughs> Good. I'm pleased to hear. Um, and I, do, I don't think I would do the things in this poem at her. He wouldn't perform. At her what, wake. What's on that? What was on the playlist again? I'm trying to remember. Oh, there's like Sophie, like Pony Boy, which is like low-key about you know sadomasochism. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of a lot of incongruent stuff there. But I feel like that's sort of um, speaking to you know, all of the feelings that you have around grief and a lot of them being not convenient and not publicly shareable, um, but still very much needing to feel through those. Yeah. There's a poem with a particularly interesting title in there uh, on side A, which is entitled, Cis People Aren't Normal, They're Fugly. A pamphlet for coming to terms with the fact that transsexuals exist and maybe you are one. I love this. And the, the lines in this poem, which is, I guess, a list... Really, really struck me. You talk about being trans as a divine glow up. Uh, we're a spiritual rung above. <laughs> um, and the line I had here: "We live across, over, beyond the borders that make up the only world we know." For me, this was such a beautiful expression of of us getting caught in boxes and just being who who we are. Is this a important book for you in terms of expressing who you are as a as a transmasculine person? Yeah, I think a lot of poems um, were writing from that space. I think I'd only been on tea for about a year when I started writing the stuff, or maybe even less. And yeah, I mean, that poem was just... um, was just kind of about gassing up trans people and, you know, like so much stuff, as we know, in media uh, about minorities in general, but um, trans people as well is is often written from the perspective of someone who isn't 
mm. of that minority. And so, you know, having having media that's specifically written only for a trans audience, and, you know, cis people can witness it, they can be there for it, but, you yeah. know, um, they have to be called fugly in order to <laughs> to engage with it. So, Well, I don't think we need to explain the word fugly. People can go and look that one yeah, up. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I really I really appreciated that this, you know, that's this the reality for so many people. At the same time, we, we have a still have a dearth of literature or cultural expression of what it means to be trans in, 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 within our community. And kia ora for you for, for stepping up with that. Um, oh, she is. And um, shout out to... Olive uh, Nussel's book as well, which is called Kitten, and it's a novel. It was released on the same day as mine. Oh, really? Um, and it's a beautiful trans book about this young trans feminine person who sort of has to go back to where she grew up because her uh, man is sick, I think. And it's it's super horny, like super, but also <laughs> dealing with all these huge, like familial, like thorny as issues, but with like so much grace. She's just mm. such an incredible writer. So shout out to that book as well. Well, that's kind of a nice segue to uh, asking you to read um, a short poem called Hell is a Teenage Girl. Maybe, maybe we could hear that now. Yes, we can. Hell is a Teenage Girl. Or rather, hell was when I had to be one. A fag walking around in girl suit, trying to pretend like I had any business playing goal defense or touching boys' necks at school discos. A transplant among the cluster of girls at the sleepover, tents on my mattress on the floor, heart violent with the knowledge that someday I'd be discovered, that today could very well be the day, that one girl, probably the meanest of them, effing Harriet, would spring from her sleeping bag and screech with indignance as she pointed me out, and the whole room and everyone in it would yell, get out, directly into my skin, and I would simper away into the dark thanking them kindly for their hospitality. Thank you, that's beautiful. Um, the title of this volume is Killer Rack. It's a killer title. It'd make a great <laughs> album title. In fact, it is an album as yeah. well. Why did you choose the title? Um, it's in one of the poems that's like a very confessional. It's a poem. It sort of talks about instead of getting top surgery, getting a boob job and having a killer rack, you know, sort of <laughs> challenging, I guess, those those perceptions of what being trans is and it sort of being a direction of travel that's one way and that kind of stuff. Oh, so that you can, as a trans person, you know, have that choice to have top surgery or go, no, I'm going to own this baby. Yeah, I'm going to have even bigger tits than I already <laughs> have. <laughs> Which, I mean, is not for me personally, but I'm sure there's someone out there who's done that. Um, but, you know, just, just like opening up that world of, of options. and I guess it's also killer rack. It could have, I don't know. It sounds like you're racking up the balls. It's like it's, it's, it's a killer set of poems. It's a killer set of songs. It's going to, you know, you're going to nail it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of ways you can take it, yeah. We're going to finish by um, playing some of a band called the Cocteau Twins. And uh, this is a band that, uh, well, I think it's inspired your Instagram handle, Cocteau Twink. It has, yes. One of my favourite all-time bands, so I really did want to finish with this. You've got a poem called Oil of Angels, Cocteau Twins MP3. In fact, it's oil under slash of under slash angels under slash Cocteau Twins MP3. What's the origin of that title? That is just the kind of format that you would get when you like downloaded illegally yes. songs off LimeWire and that kind of stuff back oh, in that age. I thought so, yeah. yeah. So it kind of comes back from that nostalgic line. LimeWire age. Yeah. Is that when you discovered the Cocteau Twins? 
I think it actually would have been a little bit later, but I still, I reckon I would have downloaded it on that sort of format on something like SoulSeek or, you know, the other kind of <laughs> naughty, naughty places where you take music from. It's a beautiful love poem. And maybe we could actually finish with that one, Sylvia. Yeah, um, of course. Why the Cocteau Twins? What do you love about them? Oh my gosh, so many <laughs> things. Um, I mean, you would understand. There's, oh. there's so much to love. And yeah, I mean... Actually, because we were talking about that, um, the particular album that Oil of Angels comes from, and that that's one that often gets skipped over in their discography. For um, Calendar Cafe, I think it's a later album in the 1990s, yeah. Yeah, mm. you know, it's it's subverting some of the stuff that a lot of people love about Cocteau Twins. I think it's not as goth as their earlier no, stuff. they started very post-punk and goth, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, which I love, um, but <laughs> I, you know, I guess... Being someone who who listened to it after it all came out, I get to appreciate the journey without having that sort of attachment to any particular era because I sort of listened to it all at the same time. But yeah, I just, I really love that album because it's so like, you know, Elizabeth Fraser was obviously like, I'm going to actually make my lyrics intelligible because <laughs> I have something to say. Yes, you used to not be able to understand them at all. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love also just absolute like... It's it blends in with all the other instruments, but also stands out because her voice is so incredible. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, and let's well, maybe we could hear the poem, and then we'll uh, listen to the song. So there's two versions of this poem. There's a um, sort of side A, side B, continuing the music theme of the book. Um, so I'm going to read the second version, if that's all right. Side B. Yeah. So oil of angels. Fire is in the belly of the burst life. Tender as the wilted. Sudden as the dirt that's piling on, you'll find your efforts in the sand. Sober as the dirt that hurts you more, a sham you must full gas go past. Laugh it on, babe. Taste the lovely pearly parts of pearly tulips. I have to make you feel better to hold your non-confessions. I admit, I feel truly well here, laughing on our bed. The oil of angels will release our pain. This feels perpetual. I feel perpetual. Join me. Kia ora, Sylvan. Kia ora. <laughs> 